Welcome to the Strategic Planning Podcast with financial coach Mike Flanders. With more than 40 years of experience in the financial services industry, Mike knows the X's and O's that'll help you achieve your financial goals. It's time for the Strategic Planning Podcast. Welcome into another edition of Strategic Planning with Mike Flanders. It's early November. Mike and I are here to talk this week about the market, really just kind of uh, what's going on uh, this particular week when we're taping the podcast. October just ended. We just had Halloween like yesterday or the day before. And, and there's just been a lot of a lot more interesting things going on the past couple of weeks, Mike, with the market yet again. 22 has been completely uh, a volatile rocket ride or roller coaster ride. Uh, with the market in general, but I wanted to kind of touch on what's happened in October and then what may be happening actually this week. Uh, we're taping this on a Wednesday. We'll be putting it out tomorrow on Thursday, and we may see that the Fed has already raised the rates yet again. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, doing good. I'm excited about the Fed and all that they do to try and make our lives so wonderful. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, do I detect some sarcasm in there, Mike? No, no, no. no. <laughs> well, you know, hey, you brought it up. Let's get right into it real fast. So, right, uh, at the time we're taping this, like I said, the uh, the Fed is expected to do their sixth, I think it's sixth, yeah, rate hike, um, <laughs> to try to curb the inflation problem. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have October's inflation numbers yet at the time we're taping this, so we don't know. September's was was marginally down from the prior month, right? I think it was like 0.1%. Yes. Um, if you go by the you know the actual numbers. October, they, they I, I'm assuming they're raising the rate because they know that it did not drop. That, would be, that would be our guess. That right? would be our guess, right. Uh, yet October had its best month, Mike, since 1976. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But it really only seemed to be like the last two, mm, 10 days of October that yeah, they had just a really, really, yeah, had a really good turnaround. People were, you know, so we started having the conversation. Did it pull out of the uh, the bear? Uh, did it kill off the bear? So mm-hmm. we're going to we're gonna talk about that kind of stuff here in a second. But what's your thoughts on the Fed, first of all? Raising the rates. Do you think <laughs> it's necessary? Do you think we're, uh, you know, just yeah. what's your thought? Well, you know. I I love government and, and I'm not being sarcastic there. I, I do love government okay. because without government, you got the chaos. You got sure, uh, totally anarchy. Yeah. yeah. And anarchy. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. And so you want to have that. I mean, I love riding down the road and there are dotted lines between the lanes so that people aren't just driving wherever they want to and having head on collisions. Right. Yeah. We have to have some order and some structure for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so, yeah, that's that's good. Um, but, you know, sometimes it can be a little too heavy handed and over the top and too much and just like running your life and, and all that kind of stuff. But in general, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, you think back about. Oh, how, however many years the Fed's been around, uh, and and they've done all kind of things. Sometimes people thought they were really good things that they did, and other times they thought they people were out of touch uh, at the Fed and uh, maybe went too far or didn't do enough. There's always complaints, right? Sure, I mean, yeah. They're they're set up for that, but you know what? We're still here. I mean, you know, it's it's things have gone crazy haywire, and things have gone crazy great. And we're still kicking. So, I mean, yeah, they have some impact and it's transient. It's not, it's not going to make things last forever. Well, we um, hope, right? So they're, they're, yeah. they're looking at kicking it up another 75 basis points. So taking right. it from 3% to 3.75, mm-hmm. um, right? So, I mean, it's going to affect what's, – what's some of those things that it's going to affect, right? It's going to affect your credit card rate. 
uh, right? And coming into the fourth quarter, we're in November now. So from a retirement planning standpoint, this is where people need to be careful, right? Let's not... Let's not put too much on cards, you know, don't charge too much, you know, right. things of that nature, right? So how much does the Fed rates affect the retirement community? It maybe is not as much as everything else because we're probably not borrowing as much money in retirement, but still, you know, it's going to have an impact. And the market doesn't like it initially when the Fed makes these rates. But some may argue that the rally we saw in October has been because of the rate tick-ups throughout the year helping to counterbalance the inflation. So, it's a catch twenty two. Mm-hmm, it is, and and you know, there's there's all kind of tre- uh, trepidation and fear about what happens if they do go ahead and go through with the three quarter percent raise today or tomorrow, whenever they. I think it's it. going to be today. It looks like it's going to happen today, so we'll probably it, see it tomorrow by the time we drop this podcast. Yeah, right, right, and and you know what? It, they've been talking about this for months. It's already baked into the market. Probably, it wouldn't surprise thank, me. Well, thank you for bringing that up. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the market goes up tomorrow if the, if they raise it seventy five basis points. Right, wouldn't surprise me if it goes down. <laughs> you know, there there's just there's no telling. There's what no protecting else it, yeah. is going on that might have impact yeah. there. And you just raised a couple of great points about you know like interest rates going up on credit cards and. And, and other uh, places for it's holiday season. Money. It's easy to want to put things on your credit card the rest of this year, right. right? And so, what are some of the unintended consequences, say, of raising the rate? Well, so so maybe people say, well, let's let's pare back, and so then you don't have as much GDP growth, and and so then maybe they need to right. hold firm uh, next time on on a rate increase. And, and, and it's and, hilarious, Mike, because it, you yeah. can spin it either way. Because I literally just saw. Uh, what is it? Was it Powell? I think he just made a statement saying that by raising the rates to help curbing more inflation, bringing gas prices down, it'll help people's wallets going into the holiday shopper season. They want people to go spend because that's going to help the overall economy. Yes. Right. Right. But then again, then people may not spend. Right. It's it's, it's going to help if they spend. But mm-hmm. what they don't say is if you're charging this, it's going to cost right. you more. Um, right. I just, I'll throw myself out there on under the bus. So it's a strategy here for, for people to use, Mike. And as a financial planner and advisor, I'm sure that you talk to people about pros and cons of this all the time. I'm putting a whole home generator on my at my house. Yeah. Uh, and it's 10 grand to right. do it, right? right. Uh, but you know the the you know the company is offering zero payments zero interest on on their card if i do it on their card for 3 years right ah, well i'm going to do it on their card knowing that i have to pay this off because the interest rate is going to kill me if yeah. i don't and so they sent me their little paper it's 28% is it really if you miss the deadline if you miss the deadline, twenty eight percent, right? So that's right. a strategy you have to employ to have a to think about how you want to. I'm going to use their money, but I yep. have to be smart, otherwise I'm going to pigeonhole myself. And I think that's the same kind of conversation that we're, we're walking into with the Fed raising rates and doing things for our for retirees and pre retirees. It's going to happen. How you handle it and how you're effective with your decision making goes a long way into how successful you can be with retirement overall. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I love it. Uh, I, I I've have had with all these things going on this year with various pieces of the economy and the, the players that are making decisions that impact us. I've had uh, people call uh, mm-hmm. a good no- a good amount and say, you know, I'm thinking about this or that. And um, how how do you think what's going on right now impacts that and right. down the road? 
I love those kind of questions. That is so smart to get a, an opinion from somebody that that you trust and that kind of knows a few things about stuff, you yeah. know, and um, before you just go do it because it just seems like it's the right thing, because there, there are a lot of different ways that when I, when I want to do something, I don't just go do it because I think I'm the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. I, I talk to somebody else that might be able to impact the way I'm thinking about it and, and maybe be a contrarian opinion. That helps me a lot. And I, I just have loved seeing people call and ask things like that this year. That's great. Uh, best of all the volatility that's yeah, going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk Mark, about a few a few market topic items here for folks. Okay. Uh, we, 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 you know, we're back to kicking around. Most people know what the bull and the bear is, but mm. let's just keep it simple in case they don't. What is the difference between a bull and a bear market? Yeah, uh, bull tends to, uh, or is indicating, you know, something that's charging ahead, you know, and a, a bear market is something that is declining and um, maybe going to hibernate or something like right, that. Right, hibernation, exactly, yeah. And yeah. uh, obviously 20, you know, we've been in a, well, we were in a, what, a 12-year bull run, basically, right, mm-hmm. uh, leading up to 2022. Yeah, we had a couple of dips, like the COVID dip and so on and so forth. But for the most part, I think they wanted to keep the streak intact. So they kept kind of calling it a bull market um, for the last 12 years. We went into bear territory over the summer here, Mike. Officially, I think, you know, the S&P, the Dow, they all dipped into that 20% um, range, wow. right, which, which signifies a bear, correct? That's correct. In fact, NASDAQ, well, you know, the tech heavy uh, took a index, real beating. Yeah, it, it dropped even it got into bear territory even earlier. But it is it's a, it's a measured and, uh, you know, assumed to be a bear market when you have a 20 percent decline from the all time high. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, so that doesn't happen in a day necessarily, although back in it's kind of sustained. It right. Day, yeah. You know, but uh, it can be over some time and uh, that, it, that it occurs. And it took a few months this year to get to that point. And quite frankly, right now, uh, if you look at the Dow, I believe it is, it's well out of. Quote, well, o- well, October, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. October, right. as I mentioned earlier, had its best month since 1976, Mike. Yeah, 14%. Exactly. The Dow went up 14% in October right. alone. Uh, yeah. The S&P went up 8% and it pulled the Dow out of bear mm-hmm. territory. I'm not sure if it pulled the S&P out. I think it might have, though. It, it might be close. I, I didn't look that NASDAQ still not, but yeah. Right. It's still out. But does that mean, so what does that mean for, for us, though? Does it mean anything? Is it Or is it just terms that, that they can use for news stories? And yeah, it's 14%, but does that yes. mean you should throw all your money back in the Dow because it had a good month? Well, I wouldn't throw all my money in the Dow anyway, because it's a very narrow. <laughs> right. But you know what I'm saying? In the market, yeah, I should Yeah, I know say. what you're saying. Yeah, right. Yeah. But um, just to be clear there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I don't believe that timing the market is a, is a good strategy. But um, if you have money that is has become available to you, if you have money that has uh, maybe accumulated more than what you need to have in an emergency fund, I mean, and you realize it and the market's down. I mean, why not? Uh, you know, but quite frankly, even if you just invest it gradually over time, it does very well uh, if, if you let the market give you its return. You know, the thing you don't want to do is say, oh, wow, let's, uh, I've had all this money I've, I've had on the sideline. Let's throw it in there and doggone, this was just a, a little breather before another downdraft. Um, you know, so you don't want to make decisions like that. It's more so what's my life circumstances giving me right now and take advantage of it if you have excess money that you don't need to be having sitting in the bank. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so let's talk some more market terms here in conversation around this. Um, people see things like uh, you know bid and ask and and the bid ask spread. Uh, what is right. that? That's so. It's just basically what you're offering and what you're paying, correct? Or what they're asking for and what you're offering. Yeah, right. A bid is like, you know, you go to an auction and they say, what does somebody give me for this? What's your bid mm-hmm. on this? And you you tell them what you're willing to pay. And and uh, they might be saying, well, that's great, but I'm asking for more. So, do I, you know, uh, do I hear another? You know, they'll try and raise the bid okay. so that they get more money for it. So I think about it, uh, the easiest way to understand it, if, if you've ever traded a car, you go to the dealer and he says, um, I'll give you this for it, uh, that and 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 all, and and you say no, I need to have more than that in order to trade this car. Well, you know he's bidding, you know ten thousand, and you're saying no, I need fifteen. Gotcha. Yeah, you're asking fifteen. And so, so that, you know, is that spread helpful when you're thinking about making a purchase? That big yeah. spread. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if you're doing that sort of thing, but again, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a good idea to be out there buying individual stocks and. And offer most people because they don't have enough to be able to diversify adequately buying exactly. 100 yeah. shares of a, a basket of stocks. You'd probably better to buy an index fund where you get a lot of pieces. But yeah, even there, the purchasing of those um, investments occurs with a spread between what the the owner of the shares have are willing to sell them for right now and what you as a buyer may be willing to pay for it. Uh, there's a spread that's built in there. Um, okay. It's typically very small on companies uh, that trade uh, highly, that there's a lot of, in other words, liquidity. It's easier to sell your positions when you want to. Yeah. Um, they And and, um, and tend to be larger stocks too. Okay. Uh, you get small companies and emerging market companies and the spreads get bigger because they don't trade as much. And so, uh, you know, it's not as as easy to get rid of something when you want to. Okay. So the, that makes the spread a little bit higher, and and that costs you it's some of your return uh, if you don't get a good uh, a good spread there. Um, let me ask you this: since you just mentioned an index, you say you know mm-hmm. most people probably shouldn't be, especially if we're talking retirees or pre-retirees, uh, if you don't have the the, the knowledge base. Uh, so most people are probably going to be in some sort of a fund or you know. Uh, a basket of something or another. So, what is there a major difference in in, in being in, in an index like like that? You know, you mentioned before, like the Dow not necessarily being where it's so narrow uh, versus right. Nasdaq or uh, the S and P five hundred. What is there? The Russell as well. The Russell two thousand. There's a bunch of them. Bunch of them, right? Yeah. And and so I'm sorry. What was the question? So basically, just what do you think about those terms? Like as far as an index is, do you? find one more useful than the other or is it really all about how it works within your portfolio yeah i'd say the latter uh you know you don't want to go out necessarily and make a bet on one kind of asset you know like a large u.s companies that are growth oriented that would be tend to be like the s p 500 okay but uh, on the other hand uh you want to have some of that in your portfolio so what we've done is we've looked at uh, academic research and people that have won nobel prizes in economics over the years like harry markowitz who came up with the modern portfolio theory where he basically just figured out in these different asset classes that are represented by different indexes, like some of the ones you just mentioned, the Russell 1000, 2000, 3000, the MSCI, international stocks, uh, you know, things like that, uh, S&P and and so forth. All these different indexes, he figured out what's the most efficient structure to get the maximum return for the level of risk you want. 
That's a mouthful, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. If you're listening to this on a podcast, just rewind it a couple of times. That's what I do when I don't understand what somebody just said. Uh, there you go. Yeah. That's great advice. So, so you want to have, say, uh, we use 19 different con- different indexes within the structure of a portfolio. Nice. Yeah. So that we can get the pieces of the, the uh, market that we want to have in there at the percentages we want just depending on what the risk level is the person wants to have in their portfolio. And that's the point, right? Mike is, is, and that was part of my conversation today was to share some market terms to talk about some of the news uh, hitting us this week around it and just saying, you know, what is your strategy? What is your overall plan uh, within it? You know, it's one thing I know that you probably have clients who do enjoy the dabble aspect, right? They're saying, Hey, let's, I'm going to take this, uh, this amount of money or this portion and I'm going to dabble with some individual stocks or I'm going to this, that, or the other, right? I'm going to, I'm going to bid on some things, or I'm, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, but it's not like the stuff that's going to keep the lights on and feed them. And, mm. you know, like you got to be smart about it, right? You got to have that balanced portfolio and it's okay if you want to dabble, but just make sure yeah. you're not gambling the house. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So to wrap it up then, uh, we'll just kind of finish off with, with one more kind of, you know, conversation. Uh, in general, just a, a good balanced strategy. Many people wind up, we get into funds like target date funds, right? For example, uh, because that's the easy thing to do at work. And then that's just kind of, so I guess is, is that the difference between like active and passive management? Like what's, that's a term that I think confuses people too. Let's finish off with that. What's okay. the major difference and how do you feel about active versus passive? Okay. Yeah. The example you just gave will be like target date funds that are available often in 401k plans and right. things like that. Um, they appear to be passive type investments. And okay. they can be. Just depends on what's going on underneath. Um, and the reason they appear to be passive is, you know, the way that they're touted or, or promoted is that uh, you have the manager of the fund is going to structure it in such a way that you have the closer you are to the the end end date, the target date, which yeah, twenty forty, like whatever it might be, retire. right? Yeah, 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 something like that. Is um, the closer you are to it, the less aggressive you're going to be, and so they're going to gradually be moving you from more of a stock mix to more of a bond mix, and uh, you know, getting higher percentages in bonds than in stocks. That's what the the premise of a target fund is. But the fund is made up of other funds. So for the stock portion, you might have a mutual fund within the target date mutual fund that is actively managed, Mm, or it might be passively managed. And I'll talk about those two in just a minute. So the target date fund isn't in and of itself identifying uh, whether it's active or passive, okay? Um, so let's talk about bond funds for a minute because bond funds typically are fairly active because the bonds mature and they give you your money back. And I'm talking about the fund that give the fund the money back from the bond that matured. And so you got to reinvest it. So you're always having some decisions, some active decisions to uh, reinvest those monies that come in from a bond maturing within the fund. So you got some activity there, but you know they they can be passive from the standpoint of they're not making bets about the future of interest rates and changing the kinds of bonds they're buying. So they might say, you know, we're a, a total bond market fund, but we think that interest rates are going to go up, so we're going to get our maturity rates real short, so we don't have a lot of loss in value 
because of interest rates increasing. That's an actively managed fund. If on the other hand, they say our fund is a short-term fund or our fund is an intermediate term fund or our fund is a long-term fund, then they stay within that, those parameters and they're not making bets based on what they think is going to happen to interest rates down the road. And so they start adjusting the type of bond that they're in. That would be the more passive route rather than where they're changing around the, the type of bonds they're in. Same thing on the stock side. Um, if uh, in an index fund, what you're doing is you're going out and you're saying, I am going to try to match the holdings in the weighting that these each uh, investment within the index has in my fund. So if you're doing the S&P 500, you're going out and buying the 500 stocks that are in the S&P 500 in the same percentages that they are held in the S&P 500. And now you're owning those and you're and and whenever um, the prices of those go up and down, that, that, you know, changes just like the index does. But when people add money in or when people take money out, the manager just needs to buy the things that will keep the weighting the same. That's not active management. They're not saying, well, we're not going to buy any of this uh, uh, Netflix stock because they've just been tanking. And I mean, we we got to buy it to stay equal with the index, but it's been doing so bad. Let's don't buy that. Let's instead buy Apple, you know, or whatever. They don't make those kind of decisions. They just track the index. And that's passive investing. The active one would be, like I just said, where they own a basket of stocks that somebody's made decisions on based on their expectations on how those stocks will perform in the future. And they'll change those around as they see fit to try and maximize the return. So that's that's active investing. Uh, it's, it depends on a prediction about the future. I, and I don't know if you can tell from how I'm saying this, which way I, I like. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know what, though? I appreciate you taking the time to explain those terms uh, yeah. because people hear those often and they're not sure. And so if you're not sure what your advisor is doing with your portfolio, it could be a combination of both, it sounds like. Okay. But uh, yeah. make sure that you're asking them, right? There's nothing wrong with asking for yeah. clarification on these terms. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about is getting a strategy in place that's right for you. And that's why it's called strategic planning. That's what we do here on the podcast. So if you got some questions, you need some help about what's happening in the market or what could be happening or how things are going for you, then reach out to Mike and have a conversation. No cost or obligation. As always, you can find him online at spcinvesting.com. That's spcinvesting.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you like to use. And hopefully you picked up a useful nugget or two from today's podcast about the market. Mike, thanks for hanging out, my friend. I appreciate you. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks a lot for the conversation, Mark. Absolutely. And I always appreciate your explanations and time with us here on the show. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks here on Strategic Planning. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.